0: Hey, how about some big news in OU recruiting, huh? The biggest fish left on the board, five-star defensive lineman David Hicks. He set an OV. He set an official visit for November 14th in Norman. And not only has he set his official visit, dare I say, Parker Thune, it could lead to maybe – that could eventually be the best weekend that he could possibly visit with what could be on the line, who you're playing that weekend – the point in the year that you're playing, that defense could be looking pretty strong at that point. November 14th could end up being a pretty good day for OU football recruiting. Yeah, it could,
1: Tyler. And I'll say this about the David Hicks recruitment. I don't expect it to last past November. Mm. Parker is saying
0: he thinks he might um, By the announce way, sorry, OU did, soon after.
1: You said November 14th. It's November 19th. November right? 19th. See, okay, I have okay. such
0: terrible handwriting. My nine uh, didn't come all the way around here, so it looked like a four. So yes, November nineteenth is gotcha. the date. No, I, I say that because here's a, here's like a long thought as to why I think that this could be like the ideal weekend for for David Hicks to to visit. I Parker, let's start here. I think that the crowd noise this year is going to be. Significantly louder, significantly more into the game than we've seen in years past. I think everyone, this bolts of energy that uh, this fan base got back in December, like that still exists today. Like I think the UTEP game is going to have a pretty good atmosphere, and I think that when Oklahoma State visits on November nineteenth, not November fourteenth, there is going to be a. How do you say? I feel like it's a lot going to be like the twenty twenty game. There's going to be an intensity in the air to exact revenge from that game last year. I I think that that November 19th Bedlam game is going to be a really, really, really good atmosphere.
1: Well, not just to exact revenge, right, but restore order to prove that, yeah, last year was a one-off. We could have won last year if our head coach didn't already have one foot out the door. You all got lucky, especially with that Pass interference, no call in the end zone on Trayvon West with about 20 seconds remaining. We're going to show up this year, or rather you're going to show up to our place this year and we're going to show you what you missed out on a season ago. That's going to be the mentality from the Oklahoma end.
0: Yeah, and I think OU's going to have a lot to play for that late in the year. Big 12 championship, me thinks college football playoff is still going to be on the table. We just talked about the atmosphere, and I think at that point in the season is when you're really going to start seeing OU play some really good defense. D-line, backers, secondary, I think is a unit, and I think that they're going to play well on Saturday, don't get me wrong. But this team is going to get better as the year goes on. Just like the great OU teams before them, when that month hits November, they're really going to start hitting their stride. I think David Hicks is going to see an incredible environment with a lot on the line and a defense that's like really starting to find its way and, and play at a high level.
1: By the way, in case you needed another reason to be pissed at Alex Grinch, in the last, what, 48 hours, Brian Asamoa has essentially locked down a starting spot for the Minnesota Vikings. Nick Benito has forced forced the Broncos to trade away his competition because he's been that good. Oh, and Jaden Davis has earned the starting nod for Brent Venables at the cornerback position. And and, and Justin
0: Harrington, by the way, is going to be a major factor on this defense this year. And he didn't even, what, finish the season with last year's team. So there's that. Mm Yeah, there's a lot of that, though, Parker. I'm sure that there's some other names that we could uh, dig up from the depth chart and say, uh, yeah, look what this staff was able to do in a short amount of time compared to the previous staff. So, no, hey, um, I great news about David Hicks. It's not surprising that there's an official visit set, especially if he's leaning towards OU's way, but you feel as good about this recruitment for OU now as maybe you maybe you've ever had. What was it, about a month ago? where they had that incredible Friday night where you landed Colton Vosick, and you know there were some rumors about what happened with David Hicks. That's been about a month, Parker, um, and it seems like they've kept seemingly all that momentum they've had from that weekend from the guys that were in town, which is a major, major plus. And
1: think about the guys that were in town that weekend. Some of the guys that were in town that weekend. Not just DJ Hicks, but Jordan Renaud, Peyton Bowen. Ryan Yates. Yep. Sensing a trend here. There's some pretty big uncommitted targets still out there on the board that were all in Norman on that pivotal weekend.
0: And you know what? Like, OU is back to number five in the recruiting rankings because Georgia had a pretty nice day yesterday. Georgia is up to number three. OU's back at five. But here's the thing like, any of those names that Parker just mentioned, any of those names, if for some reason you were to get a flip to OU, or you were to get a commitment to OU, like just one of those guys, OU would probably have the number 2 overall class right now, Parker. So they get knocked back a spot after Georgia's day yesterday, but everyone from 2 to 5 is so close that OU is like one four-star player away from being behind Alabama as the number 2 overall class. So you lose a spot, you're still in fantastic shape here to finish in
1: the top five. I'm not worried. And now the question becomes, do you have to wait until September 19th for more good news? I'm inclined to believe that, yes, Jordan Renaud is going yeah. to be the next decision. It, it feels like it's going to be a quiet few weeks coming up here. But Peyton Bowen and Ryan Yates, man, those are just such wild cards right now that stuff could go down at any point. Legitimately any point. Yeah. Nobody has an accurate idea of what the timetable could be on when those two make their final decisions. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, from what I was told, talking to folks close to that situation, the expectation is that it's going to be done sometime in September. But that's a pretty broad and vague timetable in and of itself.
0: Yeah, and we talk about this quite a bit. Just because like OU's going seemingly head up, against AM for David Hicks and probably Peyton Bowen. We're we're good with that, right? OU head up against AM for two five star defensive players. Yes. Okay. So it how a team fares during the season doesn't always single handedly impact a recruitment, but there are definitely times where it can. And I don't have to convince OU fans out there to root against Texas A&M this season. I feel like, regardless of the situation, OU fans are going to root pretty hard against Texas A&M. But here is a big reason as to, you know, you really hope A&M turns into a dumpster fire this year, Parker. You hope that Miami beats them at home. You hope that Arkansas beats them in Arlington. You hope that A&M gets swept by the Mississippi schools once again. Uh, It may not impact the recruitment at all, but it certainly won't hurt in Peyton Bowen and David Hicks' eyes if A&M turns into a complete dumpster fire this year and OU's well into the month of November with a chance at a college football playoff. That in itself could bode pretty nicely for OU this year.
1: As I see it right now, I think the last guy you're going to be waiting on is probably going to be Ticeli Kana. There's a very good chance it's DJ Hicks, though. There's a very good chance that your entire board is committed and locked in by the month of November, and you're just waiting on that one last giant domino to fall, and it's DJ Hicks. Either way, what I think is an encouragement to Sooner fans, among the many encouragements that are to be found with the way that this staff is recruiting, is that you're not going to have high blood pressure on National Signing Day in December and again in February. You're not going to be losing sleep the night before over whether Oklahoma's going to get this guy or not going to get this it's guy.
0: It's going to be a gravy situation. Like, Correct. Our
1: class is great, but if we get this guy,
0: then, oh, buddy, like it's going to get even even better. Sure, yeah, they're going to be pretty much done before both of those days roll around. Um, text line says, what are the chances Peyton Bowen stays locked in with Notre Dame? Well, we just said we think that OU's going head up against Texas A&M for Peyton Bowen. So does he end up at OU? Don't know. We'll see. But does he end up at Notre Dame? There may be a less chance he ends up at Notre Dame than a less chance he ends up at OU, and he's committed right now to Notre Dame. Because you've stayed, stayed solid for a long time that regardless of what happens, you think he decommits from
1: Notre Dame. I do believe he decommits from Notre Dame. Yes. And as I think about it more and more, I I wonder if the outcome this weekend, that game between Ohio State and Notre Dame, has the opportunity to tangibly impact the timetable for Peyton Bowen because as i've said for a while i do think Notre Dame is out of contention but maybe Peyton Bowen needs a reason he maybe needs CJ needs Stroud
0: it. to put up 550 yards well, on Notre Dame this weekend
1: maybe and here's the thing i understand just knowing the person and the coach that Marcus Freeman is I understand how it's going to be immensely difficult for you to tell that guy, hey, I'm not coming anymore. So maybe C.J. Stroud toasts that Notre Dame defense It makes that conversation a little bit easier for Peyton Bowen to initiate.
0: Maybe. Uh, Text line, Peyton says, I won't lie, guys. This is pretty insane. It hit me today that sitting here at 22 commits, if we got no one else this year, I'd feel better about this class than any I can remember but we're still in on two five-stars, one of which is heavily leaning towards us, the other thinking of flipping, and two top 90 guys that are heavily leaning towards us and a top 250 guy that may flip. That's a good point, point. and it actually kind of goes to what you just said about you don't think OU fans are going to be waking up on National Signing Day and really sweating about things. Peyton is right. This class as is right now would be top to bottom the best class they've had in a long time. I don't know if it would be ranked as the best class that they've had in a long time. But when you look at the overall depth at every single position, yeah, I like this class a whole lot better than bringing in five, six wide receivers in a class. And what you said about signing day, it's true right now, man. From here on out, it's kind of just icing on the cake. And if you're able to get that icing, then you got a chance to end
1: up with the top three class. Literally everything has gone right for Oklahoma from a recruiting perspective in the month of August. You started off on the first of the month with a commitment from Colton Vosick, which was not supposed to happen, Tyler. No, it wasn't. Neither was Anthony Evans. That's not a kid that's supposed to be going to the University of Oklahoma. You flip Anthony Evans, and that was a flip. That was. Even if it won't go down in the books officially as a flip, Anthony Evans was going to Georgia – when he woke up the morning of his decision. You get a top 100 defensive back from the state of Florida in Macari Vickers. You finally lock down the premier in-state athlete in Jacoby Johnson, and you start to build a lot of momentum in the recruitment of one DJ Hicks. Uh, And the icing on the cake is all of a sudden – you're probably in the driver's seat to get Malachi
0: Coleman, too. Well, and that's just a text uh, from Matt. Has there been any Malachi Coleman news? Four-star out of Lincoln, Nebraska. You know, Travis Davison texted both of us yesterday, and I guess there was a post on Inside Nebraska, uh, which is a message board site, that basically said, you know, there, there was a rumor being spread around that Malachi Coleman was suspended for a game, and that didn't end up being true. And I guess basically his dad, Craig, was quote-tweeting it and saying, if you don't think people don't see stuff like this, then you are you are gravely mistaken. So I, I don't know if this will single-handedly flip things, but the Coleman family wasn't happy about the rumors being spread in Nebraska here recently, as Parker really
1: smirks, and he's got a smile I, on his I, face. Again, nothing that has happened over the course of the last three days has hurt Oklahoma's standing in that recruitment. No. I, if anything, it's helped, man. Oh, it's it's it has. It has helped. Um, what's the scoop with Nicholas Harbor? I see he's listed as a top target, says one listener. Uh, he was a top target until Jamar Cain left, and that's about where things ended between him and OU. Hmm. If Jamar Cain were still on Oklahoma's staff, Nicholas Harbor is probably a sooner right now. He is not. Therefore, Nicholas Harbor is probably going to either Michigan or South Carolina.
0: Um, On the Nebraska note, before we we hit a timeout here, I was listening to the station in in Lincoln uh, last night, just kind of hearing what they had to say on Monday. You want to know how they're kind of selling the future of this season, Parker? Their big selling point is, well, I mean, you know who the quarterback was that blew the lead, right? Well, Casey Thompson. And how many leads did Texas blow last year? I mean, they blew a 28-7 lead to OU last year. If there was a quarterback <laughs> that you want to have in the spot moving forward, it's Casey Thompson because he's been in the spot just last year at Texas. It's like, oh, I mean, they were 5-7 and seven last year. It's not like they – Blew the lead to OU and won seven consecutive games to end the season. They were god-awful the rest of the way, but okay, Nebraska, if you want to try to sell your fan base that Casey Thompson's the ideal guy to get this turned around – uh, I guess we'll find out in a couple of weeks.
1: I do think Casey Thompson can get this turnaround. I think he's a good enough quarterback. He did. He do impressed so. me on Saturday. The question is is the coaching staff good enough? No, I don't think and so. And I don't believe that. By the way, Texas fans continue to slander Casey Thompson as if he was the guy that surrendered 55 points to Oklahoma and 57 to Kansas last year. It has never made sense to me. Proves they don't know anything about football. Casey Thompson was actually, I mean, he was pretty good on Saturday.
0: He's the best player that Nebraska had on the field. Yes, I don't even correct. know if it was that close. What do you have, like seven drops, and one of those led to the back breaking interception at the end of the game? Casey Thompson's the best player they have. I actually have respect for him. But to say that just because he blew some leads at Texas last year, that that's going to help Nebraska this year that's taking it a little bit too far. A little bit too far for me.
1: Let's just hope Nebraska takes care of business against North Dakota this oh weekend. Otherwise, Stuart Mandel is going to be taking a victory lap on all of Twitter. They're
0: they are uh, they're wondering if they're going to get 65000 in that stadium on Saturday. Oh <laughs> yeah, no. they're, they're worried about the attendance this weekend and oh no. what it's going to
1: look like. I mean, yeah. it makes sense. 0-1 against an FCS <laughs> opponent. Coach is a dead man walking. Other good football games on? I understand
0: it. 405-651-3439 is the Air Covered Solutions text line. Locked in, rolls on next, right here on the ref. All right, I'm going to butcher some of these names. So if you're listening in these towns, and I totally say it the wrong way, 405-651-3439 on the Air covered Solutions text line. They're listening in Klamath Falls, Oregon, Santan Valley, Arizona. Monroe, Louisiana. Good luck on Saturday, by the way. Hey! Carmel, Indiana. Carmel, Caramel? I don't know, but it's in the state of Indiana. Bristol, Rhode Island. And I never mention any Oklahoma towns. Sayer, Oklahoma is listening today as well. And you start mixing in it. That's some way uh, out west, isn't it? It's Sarah? way I mean, yeah, out. You're getting close to I'm the Texas sure, line. Yeah,
1: I'm pretty sure Travis Davidson and I drove through there on our road no, trip you to would. Las Vegas. Yep, yeah. you
0: would have. Yep, right, right through Sayer. Actually, so appreciate everyone as always that's listening to us uh, via the Ref app. Any big takeaways from the press conference today? It was, you know, we've heard eight months of, of talking from Brent Venables, and all of it's been awesome, but just no new revelations today other than he just didn't understand why anyone would be surprised at who won his
1: second corner spot earlier today yeah it was just kind of run of the mill I I think that was probably the most poignant moment of the whole press conference is when he was like (laughs) he kind of came to Jaden Davis's defense and he was like what why would anyone be surprised that he's starting he's He's one of my best cornerbacks. Yeah. So, I mean, outside of that, Brent Brent also, the, the whole discourse about the Cheetah in particular was kind of funny because at a certain point, Brent had fielded a couple questions about the Cheetah and what exactly it was, and he was just like, okay, anybody else got a Cheetah question? Let's just hit them all right now.
0: It was like the uh, the press conference that he had, what, a day or two after the Cale Gundy resignation? to where it was. All right, guys, um, basically saying you've asked all that you can ask. I've said that all I can say. If you want to ask about team questions, you better do it now because this is going to be your last opportunity for a few days. And I actually think our own Parker Thune was the one that came in and asked the very next question. Uh, maybe you asked about Justin Harrington. Yeah, it, that's exactly what you happened. Asked I asked Justin about Harrington. Justin Harrington. I was yeah.
1: like, okay, I'll be the one to pivot this.
0: Um, Stewart says, all three Nebraska interceptions could have been caught. I agree. Uh, Kendall says, I sure love the new show, Master Lock, with Tyler and Parker. I know everyone just thinks it's hilarious to text in the new names of the show on the text line. Um, so talking about Nebraska, I've always thought that one of their big problems is that when they went to the Big Ten, they really lost the ability to recruit in Texas. But well, here's the thing. Like, they've been so bad recently, even if they were in the Big 12, I, they would still have a hard time recruiting in the state of Texas, even if they were playing in that state one to two times a year. Um, I Yes, I, I think that recruiting has been much tougher going to the Big Ten, but Nebraska, I think, was still going to be
1: Nebraska regardless of what conference that they're in. I don't know about that, Tyler. I, I, I'm very much of the opinion that Nebraska shot themselves in the foot by going to the Big Ten. And granted, that program was by no means a powerhouse when they made that transition. But, and you don't want to fall into the post-Hoke, ergo-Propter-Hoke type of fallacy. But, you look at the timeline as to when Nebraska made the transition to the Big Ten, that's about when things hit a rough patch. And that was towards the tail end of the Bo Pelini era. And I think firing Bo was probably a mistake.
0: It was a huge mistake. What was his record? 67-27? and
1: 27, Which now, I know
0: Nebraska perceives themselves as better than that, but looking at it now, they do backflips for that. Yeah,
1: now, I say probably a mistake because... I don't know how much longer he would have been able to win nine games a year and remained in the fan base's good graces. There were those that said good riddance when he was fired back in 2014 because they'd had enough at that point. He'd been head coach for, I want to say, seven seasons. And folks were just ready for a change. Like, okay, we're willing to start fresh if it could potentially bring us the promise of more than nine wins a season. Some of
0: those offenses were really bad
1: under him. They were tough. Now, in hindsight, I'm pretty sure most Nebraska fans would be dying for that nine-win standard to have remained. Dying for a six-win season. They just want to go to a bowl game at this point. They have not been to a bowl game since the Obama administration. (laughs) That is a long time ago, Tyler McComas. I was in high school then. Ugh.
0: Make us all feel old, Parker, would you? Seriously. Uh, Patrick says, how much fun will it be to watch a to Vittables on the sideline during the game? Yeah, I, look, out of the many things that's going to be exciting to watch on Saturday, it's going to be interesting, entertaining to watch Brent. I just, Parker, I don't think that we're going to see the Brent Vittables that we remember seeing 15, 20 years ago in Norman. I don't think that you're going to see a head coach You know, throw his headset and get all raged up and crazy. Like I don't. I think for the most part, you're going to be a You're going to see a subdued guy. Is he going to get into players at times? Absolutely, he will. But I don't even think that he's going to be, you know, the most entertaining coach on the sideline. I think that there's a chance Miguel Chavis has a chance to be the most entertaining coach if he is on the sideline this year, and I'm guessing that he's going to be. Miguel Chavis
1: is an animal. In the best way. And his energy has had such a contagious effect among his players and in recruiting. And that's one of those guys, Tyler, where it is is unfortunate to have to make this acknowledgement, but going to have to pay him a whole bunch of money here soon. Otherwise, he may be up for a coaching gig that is much larger than defensive ends coach at the University of Oklahoma.
0: Or at least a defensive coordinator job, if not a head coaching job. But yeah, he is—he's a—I I think that he's going to be probably way more animated than Brent Venables, just a guess, because I compare the two all the time. I think that uh, Miguel Chavis is basically a young Brent Venables. That's what it feels like. And Brent was uh, very, very yeah. entertaining early on in his career on the sideline. I think that that's who Miguel Chavis is going to be. Um, again, in case you missed it in the first segment, David Hicks, five-star defensive lineman. Uh, his his official visit, November 19th, against Oklahoma State in Bedlam. Now, it doesn't look, in years past, we've said, all right, this home game right here, man, this is a massive, massive recruiting weekend for OU. Look at the list of high-level players that are in town this year. I mean, there is definitely going to be a game that sticks out, you know, you know a- it'll above the rest. Game. Yeah, it'll be that Bedlam game. But what are the other games going to look like in terms of, in terms of visits? Like Saturday, what visits do they ha- have lined up for the UTEP game?
1: It'll just be a whole bunch of unofficial visitors. And, he- and, it's-
0: and here's what I think about that, Parker, is you know, OU wants to expand its walk-on program, right? And so far, so good. You brought in Gavin Freeman, and he might play a pretty big role on this team. I, I wonder if, even though we're not talking about four- and five-star guys being in town— on a visit like this weekend, if they're going to bring in some kids that may lead them to get some pretty good um, preferred walk-on spots later on in the cycle, if you know what I mean.
1: I, I I think that that situation could exist. Yeah, that's viable. And, you know, you think about what Oklahoma has done specifically within state lines to go and build relationships with high school staffs all across the state. I think that's one of the primary motivations in doing so is to make sure that the talent that goes under the radar in the state of Oklahoma, i.e. Malcolm Rodriguez, to pick one glaring example, make sure those guys don't end up going to Oklahoma State and Kansas State as they have in years past, but that they end up walking on at the University of Oklahoma and competing for playing time and making waves in the program down the line.
0: Because you know who would have been compared to Wes Welker 2.0 at Texas Tech in the next few years.
1: Exactly. Why did we
0: offer Gavin Freeman? He was in our own backyard. Are you kidding me? Exactly. He goes to Texas Tech, and he, like, leads the Big 12 in receiving. I I know that that's a pretty strong prediction on what he would have done in Lubbock, but you get the, you get the point there, and we know how fans react to that. We totally missed on Gavin Freeman. He's an OU legacy. How did we miss out on that one? So, yeah, I, I think that, you're never going to build your roster on preferred walk-ons, but there may be a couple guys a year, Parker, where
1: that turn out to be players. And if that's the case, that's a win. Air Comfort Solutions text line. Carmel, Indiana is where Chet Holmgren got his surgery today. There you go. Thank Chet you. Holmgren is listening. Thank you for
0: listening, Chet. Chet got to get his uh, OU
1: recruiting breakdown before surgery today, or, or post surgery, whatever. Absolutely love it. I love this. Somebody mentioned this to me the other day, and I found it astonishing. Scott Frost would have to win fifty games in a row to equal Bo Pelini's winning percentage at Oklahoma. Well, he, it, actually, it wouldn't even equal. Uh,
0: Bo is sixty was sixty seven and twenty seven. Frost is fifteen and thirty. So if Scott Frost broke the record for most consecutive wins in college football, he would
1: still have two less wins than what Bo Pelini had at Nebraska, who was fired. Uh, Another listener points out, Nebraska fired a coach one year after playing for a championship. It was actually two years. But yes, Frank Solich did get uh, run out of town all too soon. And that was kind of a consensus opinion, too, was that that was probably a knee jerk reaction that was yeah. not and nebraska got rewarded by four atrocious years of bill callahan
0: yeah frank solich was never going to succeed long term after following dr tom and the
1: three national championships no, those in the were 90s. impossible shoes to fill it's like and some somebody brought this up the other day and it didn't make sense at first until they explained it to me but I can't remember who it was that told me this, but they're like, the second Nick Saban retires, Alabama's the worst job in college football. And I was like, what do you mean? You're going to inherit that program, all that talent, all those coaches? Like, how is that a bad job? And then it hit me as they explained it. uh, You have impossibly large shoes to fill. Yep. The standard is going to be impossibly high for you to attain. And so, yes, it probably will be the worst job in college football because you will win games. It's still Alabama. You're going to have a crap ton of talent on your roster, but nobody's ever going to be satisfied because Nick Saban has thoroughly spoiled them.
0: It's like when uh, – when, did Gene Stallings – help me out, text line – did he yes. come immediately after the Bear and he won the 1992 National Championship and he still ended up getting fired? So, yes. yeah, it's probably going to be the situation for the next head coach at Bama. He only wins one title in five years. See ya! We'll go get someone else. It's a dangerous way to, to play the game in, in college football, and Nebraska's found that out the hard way. 405-651-3439. Keep it coming on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. More cruton, more football on the other side. Keep it locked on the ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref for the homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune inside the Brown O'Haver Studios. This hour of Locked In is brought to you by Elite Roofing Systems, where they're servicing all of Oklahoma's roofing needs. Let Craig Cox and the team at Elite Roofing put over three decades of experience to work for you. EliteRoofOK.com, it's EliteRoofOK.com. Bob Stoops joins us next hour at 3.20, uh, be sure to tune in for that one. What's our massive, and when I say we, it's kind of like collectively, like the entire fan base, media, whatever. What's our big overreaction Saturday night after we see oh, OU play UTEP?
1: It's probably going to be... Uh, people are going to react to everything, or overreact to everything. That's the thing. If there's one thing that people will overreact the most to, I would say it's probably going to be the defensive front because UTEP really doesn't provide much of a litmus test. No. Uh, They're the worst team you're going to play this year. They don't even – well – At least I think. And they don't even have a very good offensive line for a Conference USA team. So here's what's going to happen. Gavin Hardison is going to be under duress from the get-go. He's going to be swarmed by Oklahoma rushers on every single snap, every single time he drops back. And the conclusion that folks are going to draw is, oh boy, this Oklahoma pass rush is going to be unstoppable. And listen, that may be the case, but we're not going to know that for certain until at least September 17th. We're not going to know a lot of things for certain until I think, at least September 17th. I think you're on the right track because
0: normally when we ask what the big overreaction is going to be, I don't know if normally is even fair. But uh, you know, there's times where you tend to think, okay, what could the negative – overreaction B. I agree with you I think the overreaction after this game is going to be incredibly positive and I think that the overreaction is oh my god Parker like this defense forget November or forget five or six games down the way they are ready to be a top 10 top 15 defense right now after what I saw against UTEP and how much they dominated that's going to be an overreaction um, this defense is still going to have a ways to go regardless of what happens against UTEP on Saturday night. Correct. I mean, it, it could look a
1: lot better than it has previously, but it's still going to have a ways to go. Here's the conversation we should be having on Monday, if all goes swimmingly. Great, you beat UTEP like you should beat UTEP. Now go do it again against Kent State. Simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: that's basically it. Uh, overreaction, will this be the best defense since the Selmans? LOL. Oh, please, boy. someone yell that out real loud as you're walking out of the stadium on Saturday. <laughs> also, please record it so I can see or we can see the uh, the reactions around you. Uh, hey, Tyler, I'm going to the Nebraska game. I think I've heard you mention you were staying in Omaha. Is it weird if I ask which hotel? I'm going by myself, and I want to stay somewhere with other Sooner fans. Yeah. Any tips are appreciated. Thanks. Um, Actually, I was talking with management today about our hotel situation. I don't know where I'm staying just yet, Um, but hopefully we get that one figured out very, very soon. But once it once uh, we figure it out, I will let everyone know. Sounds like you got a roommate which Tyler. well, my wife's going with me, so that's gonna oh, be a good Oh, sounds like you got issue. two roommates. Yeah, uh nah, uh uh-uh. I'll I'll let you know which hotel bar that we're gonna be hanging out in on uh Friday before the game. How about how about that? Fair enough. Also, I got a text last night asking they're staying in Lincoln on Friday night. Okay. They wanted to ask you where the best place to eat is. I told him Misty's is a pretty good
1: spot, but give this person like one or two spots uh, for Lincoln on a Friday night. I have not spent a great deal of time in Lincoln. This is the thing. And so I am by no means an authority on the food scene in Lincoln, Nebraska. Honest Abe's gets a lot of hype. I have never been there. I just know that is a favorite among the locals. If you ask me for food recommendations in Omaha – Tell me where you're staying. Tell me what your price range is, and I got you covered. But as far as Lincoln, not nearly as much of an authority on the food scene there. Dylan Gabriel is going to be average. I guess Sooner
0: Soldier thinks that that's going to be an overreaction. I'd be very surprised if that's the thought on Dylan Gabriel exiting game one. I think the game plan, Parker, is they are going to run the ball a ton against UTEP, and they're going to sprinkle in some uh, deep shots down the field. That's what I think the offense looks like on Saturday. Heavy run, take some chances down the field.
1: I would figure Dylan Gabriel does not have an overwhelmingly impressive stat line because I agree with you. Jeff Lebby is going to run the ball as much as possible. He's got six running backs on this roster that are either scholarship backs or scholarship quality backs. So as long as the Sooners can just continue to pound the rock with little resistance, that's more or less what they're going to do. Saturday will look like Bishop Sycamore
0: versus IMG. Yes. I'm hoping that OU is IMG in this situation and not Bishop Sycamore, I don't, please.
1: I don't think there's any circumstance in which OU is going to be Bishop Sycamore this year. Uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line, Parker, you had to have had a couple of favorite Cornhusker football players as a kid growing up in Nebraska. Please do tell. It's okay. I know you're all Oklahoma now, but who were some of your favorite Cornhuskers? Listen, listener. Here's what you need to understand. I've always been all Oklahoma because I am an Oklahoma legacy. Both of my parents attended and graduated from the University of Oklahoma. I also attended and graduated twice from the University of Oklahoma. Never in my life have I rooted for Nebraska. That's not true. I rooted for them in the 2009 Big 12 championship. As weekend. did I and the rest of us. Clock should have run out, by the way. That's all. That's it. So you weren't running around as a
0: kid with a bike mesh Nebraska jersey with the bottom cut out like a crop top or, like you know, right above the belly button like Scott Frost used to run around and
1: play in? Absolutely not. You know, that was the style at Nebraska back in the 90s and some other places as well. I'm trying to remember. What are are my poignant memories of Husker football growing up? Again, the one Nebraska game I've attended – was the 2008 game against Kansas. It was a bitterly cold day. And Dominic and Sue caught a touchdown pass. And Nebraska won 45-35. I remember Alex Henry kicking a 57-yard field goal to beat Colorado. It might have been that same He year. was
0: – he's probably the best kicker in Nebraska history. Yes. He, was he – Um. I remember him in the 2010 Big 12 championship game against OU. I think he was, yeah, he would have been there, right? Yes. In 2010? In 2010. Yes, 2010. And I remember thinking, it's like indoors, you know, on turf. Like, this guy is good from about 65 yards. If they get in range, he's, he's not going to miss. He was yeah. a
1: legit college kicker. He was very good. He washed out in the NFL very quickly for one reason or another. I don't know what it is about college kickers whose game just doesn't translate, but you see it all the time. The best kickers in college football suck. In professional
0: football, unless it's Justin Tucker, because he's been amazing in the in the NFL. Yes, um, I was reading, uh, and I guess this is a reason not to read an On Three article, but they had like the chase for the number one class, like who could seemingly end up with the number one class in 2023, and then they even listed some dark horses. Parker, so like they listed three teams that could have the number one class. They listed like four, of the four favorites, and a few dark horses. OU was nowhere to be found. Now, granted. Would I bet money that OU ends up with the number one overall class? No. I'd put a lot of money that it's eventually going to be Alabama. But they listed like eight programs and OU wasn't anywhere to be found. I'm like, what, really? They got a top five class right now and a chance for two more five stars? Let them sleep. You probably should at least include them in the article. Let them sleep, Tyler. Let them sleep. A little odd there from On3 that they mentioned Texas A&M, who isn't even in the top
1: 25. As a chance for the number one overall class and not OU. Here's what you got to understand, though. You got to play to your audience to a certain extent. On three doesn't have an Oklahoma side. Uh, good points. Neither do, and the athletic doesn't have a uh, OU rider either, right? Consider all of these things when you are ingesting content. 405
0: 651 3439 Air Comfort Solutions text line. We'll close up locked in. Coming up next. Final segment of locked in with McComas and Thune live on the Ref inside the Brian O'Haver Studios, and the nine one eight on the text line says top five preferred walk ons of the two thousands, excluding Baker Mayfield. Number one, Mark Bradley. Number two, Bubba Bircham. Number three, Roger Steffen. Number four, Drake Stoops. And number five, Nick Basquin. That's a pretty solid list. I was trying to. Think of anyone else that we are forgetting. Uh, Justin Harrington, by the way, would he count as a – I mean, he's a walk-on for sure. I don't know if he counts as a preferred walk-on. He may end up being in the the top five at the end of this year.
1: He very well could be. And he'll he'll have the opportunity to return next year as well. So this is a guy that's going to have – He's got a window now, which is more than he had six months ago. He's got a window to be an impactful football player for this team, and based on what he brings to the table physically, you're very, very excited about what his potential uh, could look like if realized over the next couple of seasons in Crimson.
0: Corey Heineke, good one, text line. Yeah, forgot about him. Uh, Baker, obviously, number one on the list, who apparently told a sideline reporter, I'm going to blank them up. When talking about the Cleveland Browns in uh, week one of the NFL schedule.
1: Nice,
0: Baker. Dominique Whaley, Damian Williams, I think was a walk-on or was Was another monster at running back. Damian Williams was a JUCO guy, right? Yes, he was. He was. I feel like he had a scholarship coming out of JUCO. I feel like that was the case.
1: Dominique Whaley is an excellent nomination.
0: Yeah, I got hurt in that what 2011 season. I think he had a really bad injury at Kansas State that year, and Roy Finch was kind of your number one back after that. But yeah, yeah, I he had a long run against Texas that year. He had like three touchdowns, I think, in his first game against Tulsa in 2011. Here's Vermont. another one. How about Lee Morris? TD Lee. Feel like every time uh, he caught he caught a pass, it was a touchdown. Was that the 2017 yeah, season? Yeah, 2017 where, it, where, it where he felt just like that.
1: scored and scored and scored.
0: Now I, I don't we we don't get very many questions anymore about flips because you know Notre Dame built such a great class and they still have a great class, but they've already lost Key on Keeley, probably going to lose Peyton Bowen. I just don't feel like OU's going to have any decommits here.
1: Uh, at, at, I, don't soon. I, I don't anytime I really either. don't. It does not seem that way, and that's. It's part of the benefit that you reap when you espouse the type of philosophy that Venables and this staff do, which is you're not going to commit until you're hundred percent ready to lock it in with us for good. And we here's the thing, Tyler, this was not this was not anything that anybody wanted to hear back in April or May when everybody else's recruiting class was blowing up and Oklahoma couldn't buy a commitment. At that point, nobody wanted to hear that. Well, (laughs) no, decommitment or whatever. I, I just want commitments right now. Now, the way it looks right now, the Sooners have 22 players committed, and you are very confident as you look ahead down the stretch uh, at what the Sooners could add as this recruiting cycle comes to a close. You are very confident that they're not going to lose any of these guys, and. That's a very comfortable spot to be in because consider where Oklahoma was just a year ago. At a, at a certain point in time, they had Luther Burden, Talon Shatron, and Jordan Hudson all committed. That was their wide receiver class. All three of those guys ended up decommitting within like two months of each other.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, immediately after the Kill Gundy situation, we thought, yeah, maybe Jaquay's Petaway. no. Nope. Two days later, he's like, I'm I'm all good. We thought that maybe at one point, Keon Brown, if there was one. Don't feel like that really. No. I owe o- o- you the twenty two that they have committed. I think that they all twenty two of those guys sign come signing kids, day.
1: These kids are Sooners, man.
0: Yeah, I agree. All right. Bob Stoops coming up next hour at three twenty. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans.